Life is hard at times. Our hearts often get bruised and battered. Yet God offers us words that help and heal those hearts when we turn to Him. Welcome to the Sweet Sela Moments Podcast, where we study His Word and find strength for the day. The Sweet Sela Moments Podcast is a cooperative production of Word Radio and Sweet Sela Ministries. Welcome to the Sweet Sela Moments Podcast. This is episode 86, The Abiding Heart. We're currently doing a series called Heart Lessons, Learning from the Life of David. He was certainly a larger-than-life character in so many ways. So far, we've studied how to keep a quiet heart before the Lord so we can hear Him and draw near. We've studied David's worshipful heart and have been challenged to praise God out loud with more in songs and words. That Goliath story energized us to take courage. God is our God and mighty to save. And last week, we saw the value of a loyal heart as David and Jonathan made tough choices to keep their promises. So now, Sharon, here we are at the abiding heart. What are we learning about today? Well, I really wrestled with a name on this one, Nicole. I almost called it the hiding heart because we are going with David into hiding (laughs) as he runs from Saul and finds refuge in caves and Mm. wilderness areas. (laughs) But even though he's in hiding, he's also still abiding with God. Mm. To abide is to live with, right next to, and we can do that anywhere, even in the darkest times of our lives, the cave times. Mm. But let's start with the hiding part. Did you ever play hide-and-seek as a kid? (laughs) Oh, yes. That was a favorite game of mine. Not so much my little sister. Um, I was a really good hider, and I loved to jump out and scare poor Sammy when she got closer. I know. (laughs) I was such Can't a mean big sister, it. but oh, she was so fun to scare. Oh, poor little Sammy. <laughs> I know, and sometimes we had bunk beds, and I would run up for bed before she would get up there and jump behind her bed, so when she came up to get to bed, I'd jump up and grab her. <laughs> so I have offered to pay for her therapy. <laughs> Very kind of you. She was afraid of the dark for a while. So I was it more was like fun. your sister. I was more like a little scared of hiding, and oh. I can remember my little heart beating so hard. Will they find me? And then also... What if they don't find me? Oh, yeah. How long should I stay Without before concern. I... Yeah, and then trying to race back. Didn't you have to race back and touch, tag oh, yeah. something before you got that. caught? I can't even remember the rules of hide With and seek anymore. With lots of kids, we had to do that. You had to run and touch it. But yeah, I yeah. think my sister and I just practiced You just practiced scaring Mostly each other. Me. Mostly you. Okay, <laughs> then. Well, I hid in the bushes in the backyard once for an entire afternoon. That was interesting. I don't know what my mother did that upset me, but I was about four. Yeah. And oh, I goodness. decided to run away from home. Oh, no. And my mother, in all her wisdom, said, all right, I'll help you pack. Yeah. It was kind of hurtful. I'm like, (laughs) this is not the response I thought I'd get. So she helped me pack. She she said, do you need any cookies or anything to take? And I took a couple of cookies. Of course. You never know. And I marched out to the front yard. And at four... I never left the front yard. <laughs> I hid behind a bush until she was really sorry. I was going to say, know? I wonder where you went in your fortness. <laughs> yes, in my fortness, I hid in a bush, Aww. which my mother could see me the oh, whole time yeah, from course. a window. So she never came to get me. Right. So I just sat out there for hours thinking, nobody loves me. Oh, no. <laughs> just sitting in this bush. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. It was really boring. And then oh. I came back in the house and she fed me and it was oh, all good. over. <laughs> And I never ran away again. I have no moral to this story at all, except that <laughs> it was a time of hiding for me. 
I'll remember that any of my kids asked to run away. <laughs> she was so calm. It was so funny. Oh, but good. maybe if I'd walked further than the bush, she would have been more scaring. So, oh, But sometimes like hiding mom. is more serious. And, um, you know, I'll never forget Corey Ten Boom's house in oh, Netherlands. Went we oh, went there. Oh, my goodness. And it's so funny because we only spent, <laughs> at that point, Catherine was in Germany, and we spent just three days in the Netherlands. Yeah. And um, we didn't have time to see both Anne Frank's museum yes. oh and Corey Ten Boom's house. And of course, I voted for Corey Ten Boom's yeah. house. I didn't really want a museum. I wanted to see a house. I yeah. wanted to see it the way it was. And they have preserved her home the way it was. So like they have so these neat. really steep stairs that you almost climb like a ladder. Wow. And they have the same pictures hanging, a lot of them. I got to play her piano. Oh, Oh, wow. my goodness. That was the coolest. Oh, that's so it cool. It really was. I <laughs> can't believe they let me play it still, but they did. They yeah. did. They were so nice. Oh. And they they were there to share the truth of the gospel, too. So oh, that's wonderful. It's not a museum. It's a it's a place to share Jesus still to and this day. And isn't that what Corey would have wanted yes. for sure? Yeah. But the coolest thing... And the weirdest thing was standing in the hiding place. Whoa. They had opened up the wall. You could stand inside it. Yeah. I can't imagine seven people frozen mm-hmm. in place, barely having room to move about, you know, having to lay down sort of in shifts and right. all cramped, not daring to breathe while the Nazi searched the house again. Oh, my again. goodness. That must have been it awful. It was freaky being Mm. there and thinking how did they do it right how did they stay so still how did they handle all the the nastiness that goes along with seven people having to stay there for like 24 hours and not get away from each other it was so small it's like a big closet really yeah it was so small unbelievable that is so scary (laughs) so it's not like an attic you know Anne Frank had an attic no no they had a very small hiding place so so it can be serious to hide Mm. not not silly you know (laughs) um David's hiding was deadly serious too Mm. just like the Jews hiding in that hiding place for Corrie ten Boom Saul had actively tried to spear him to a wall twice and (laughs) Paul was re- Saul was relentless in his pursuit of David. Yeah. He saw him as a very real threat to the throne. So, Nicole, why don't you introduce and read our first passage of the day as David is learning how to live on the run in hiding. Yeah. This poor kid. We're going to anoint you king. Right. Now we're going to try to spear you. Now run away and hide. Now run for your life. Some life. Run. What a huge change from what he was at. Yeah. So he's fallen from grace. Saul is after him. And this is the start of the cave years, we're going to call them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we're going to read 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 4. Um, so David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented, until David was the captain of about 400 men. Oh, my word. Wow. (laughs) That got crowded pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. See, David had a charismatic personality. He must have. Didn't he? To draw people. He was in hiding and to draw that many men. Oh, yeah. Kind of all the underdogs and the outcasts are going to join David We're going with David. Yeah. Yeah. Must have been a big cave, too. (laughs) So later, David went to Mizpah in Moab, where he asked the king, Please allow my father and mother to live here with you until I know what God is going to do for me. So David's parents stayed in Moab with the king during the entire time David was living in his stronghold. So that's sweet. He also took time to make sure his parents were taken care of while he was in hiding. So what a, that's so sweet. Such a good son. It's a good man. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And they would have gone after his family, wouldn't they? Oh, that's true. That's what you do to get somebody to to come out of hiding, Mm -hmm. right? So he was very thoughtful. Yeah. So yeah, that must have gotten uh, pretty 
pretty crowded. I wonder if he expected so many people to join him so quickly. Yeah, yeah. 400 yeah. people is not a small amount of people. 400 hiding in caves? Big yeah. caves. I was thinking a small little cave by himself. So when I said 400 men, I said it must have been a much larger cave. A much larger cave. <laughs> I, just, I just watched um, a sort of a documentary movie on the 12 soccer kids from Thailand oh, in 2018 yes. who were trapped in a cave. Oh, my gosh. They were over two kilometers inside this mountain. So that cave went on forever. Oof. It really did. I know it. Oh, my goodness. What a story. You I know. Definitely so see that story. Caves are a lot bigger than we yes, think they are. are. <laughs> yes, they are. So what I liked about this passage, though, um, in verse 3, the second part, he, mm. you know, he's talking to the king of Moab saying, could my father and mother live there with you? And here's the part I love. Until I know what God is going to do for me. Isn't that sweet? I love that phrase because yeah. David's trusting God's going to do something. He has no idea what. Even he has no this. idea when. Yeah. Wow. But he's abiding. Mm. He is still trusting God until I know what God's up to. Right. Just We're just going to hide out in caves and keep my family safe. So he knew the cave time was part of God's timeline for him. Yeah. He didn't seem like, oh, I'm stuck. Everything's a mess. So help me out. He's like, oh, this is what, this, this is the path next. God has for me. Right. That's pretty wild. That's abiding. His acceptance of it and yeah. his abiding with yeah, God. Yeah, he's living with God in wow. the midst until I know what he will do. As opposed to, would you tell me what you're doing, God? Yes. Which is kind of my thing a lot. I don't like uncertainty. Could you just tell me? Yes. I feel like I see the cave entrance. I'm like, hold on, God. You probably don't want me to go here. What's going on? Right, right. <laughs> or, or how about this? Just tell me how many years I have to be in this cave, yes. right? Oh, my word. That. But so you nice. never know. You You're don't. going through trouble. You have no idea how long. No. Nope. And David's just, well, until God tells me. Oh, David. Okay, to have a heart so... more like that. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to read now from 1 Samuel 23, 7 through 18. Saul was relentless. Mm. So here we go. Okay. As they continue <laughs> to hide. David's parents are safe. That's he's good. got 400 men. And he's running from place to place. Wow. Saul soon learned that David was a Keilah. Good, he exclaimed. <laughs> We've got him now. God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself in a walled town. So evidently, Keilah was walled town. Okay. <laughs> so Saul mobilized his entire army to march to Keilah and besiege David and his men. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abiathar, the priest, to bring the ephod and ask the Lord what he should do. Then David prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Keilah because I am here. Will the leaders of Keilah betray me to him? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? O Lord, God of Israel, please tell me. Hmm. And the Lord said, he will come. Again, David asked, will the leaders of Keilah betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, yes, they will betray you. Wow. So he got his answer. He and did. he was concerned for the people of Keilah, yeah. which is really nice. So David and his men, about 600 of them now, <laughs> got two more, two good more grief, <laughs> left Keilah and began roaming the countryside. Word soon reached Saul that David had escaped, so he didn't go to Keilah after all. So those mm. people were safe. That's good. David now stayed in the strongholds of the wilderness and in the hill country of Ziph. Saul hunted him day after day, but God didn't let Saul find him. <laughs> One day, near Horish, David received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. <laughs> Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel, and I will be next to you as my father Saul is well aware. 
So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. There's our loyal guys again. <laughs> then Jonathan returned home while David stayed at Horish. Oh. I love this little peak. Isn't it so neat? Jonathan is smarter than his father. He finds David, yeah. right? And he's like, he's not going to find you here. Don't worry about it. Isn't it the most beautiful thing? And so Jonathan's like, and my dad knows when you're king, I'm going to be standing right beside you, yeah, supporting you. So he knew all along he was following David to the end. <laughs> Just Jonathan. like that. Unbelievable. So, so beautiful. Oh, I know. I lo- Jonathan's so sweet. And I love that he sought him out to encourage him and to remind him to keep trusting God, that he wasn't like, you've got this, David. You can take him. You. He's like... God's got you. God's going to hide you. You know what? He did. He pointed to the Lord. Yes. He didn't instill David with any false sense of confidence on his own Mm -hmm. strength. But he reminded him of of kind of who was on his side, you know? And I love that they, you know, renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. I I have some pretty great friends. We've never made a solemn pact before the Lord before. (laughs) I I can't wait to get to heaven and ask them about, like, what were they solemnly pacting about before? Like, what were they saying? It's like a best friend secret handshake kind of thing. Something like that. I know. Do they have, like, yeah, I don't know what they did. But I think it was partially because it was so unusual. It's like Jonathan wants to say again, I promise you again. Yeah. To my own death. I will defend you and stand beside you. I bet you're right, because they should have been enemies. They should have been enemies. And so reassuring that reassurance. No, nope, no, nope, I am oh. on your side to the end. That's so sweet. Oh, love it, love it, love it. You know, it kind of <sighs> reminds me a little bit of John the Baptist. John mm. the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, yeah. but he never took center stage, you know? He oh. always was pointing to Jesus. Right. And he had a lot of charisma himself. People came out to the wilderness to hear John the Baptist preach. He baptized people and all this stuff. But as soon as Jesus started his public ministry, John the Baptist is like, I'm not worthy to tie the sandals Hmm. that are on his feet. That's the Lamb of God. Go follow him. Oh, that's so true. And, And what's the other line? He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. That's a John the Baptist line. And that's a Jonathan. Yeah. He will be greater. I will be less. It doesn't almost require more strength and trust in God to diminish yourself and to trust that God will, if needed, bring you up when it's your turn. Yes. But Jonathan trusted God, and so did John the Baptist. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. my role is this, the assistant, the helper, the second, you know? Yes. The, <laughs> I'll be so the less than. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just so beautiful. Oh, it really is. is. I, I love, love these. Yep. <laughs> All right, so now we get to the part where David shows his ability to still honor God in hard times. Sharon, I love this part. I love a lot of these parts, but... (laughs) (laughs) Such a fun story. It's such a great story. So I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 11. So after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. Just imagine goats jumping all around. <laughs> At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Now is your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. 
So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Wow. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. Oh, David. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, my Lord, the king. And when David, when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, why did you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you see with your own eyes, it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I'm trying, I'm not trying to harm you. And I have not sinned against you, even though you've been hunting for me to kill me. Oh, David. <laughs> wow. I mean, don't you want to hurry things along? He's not hurrying anything along, is he? No. He's, you're still his anointed. God will remove you, not me. I'm not going to remove you. He even felt guilty about cutting a little piece of Saul's robe. That's incredible. What a story. I just, this, that must have taken so much self-control and it really showed, again, that David's heart really was tuned into God, yeah. especially with all his men around him. And they were, you know, go ahead, quick. This is it. The Lord is putting Saul into uh -huh. your hands. Yep. It's sometimes so much easier to listen to the voices around you than to listen to God because they're there and they're yelling at you and, hey, quick, you're going to yes. miss an opportunity. It's like, oh, maybe they're right. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. we've got to hold true to what God says. And even in those dark times when it's easier to right. we'll just kill him and be over with it. Right. Right. No. And David's like, nope, nope. His conscience was so tender. He felt guilty. He cut a little corner of a robe. I love that. He chases after it. But he's still trying to like, hey, I'm not like, please, Saul. He's still trying to make amends too. He is. Do you see his heart I in that where he's that. trying to show him? My goodness, Nicole. He calls him my father. My I mean, he's father. so respectful and tender towards yeah. Saul. No bitterness. No. Just please like me again. Right. <laughs> I, Please stop trying to kill me. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's wow, just wow, amazing. Wow, wow, wow. It is amazing. I love this. Well, just like there were two incidents of spear throwing back in the palace <laughs> when David first saw Paul, Saul basically lose his mind and rage at him, oh there's actually another incident when David could have killed Saul. Mm. I won't read it, but it's in 1 Samuel 26. David literally tiptoes into Saul's camp <laughs> and sleeping area and takes off with Saul's spear and water jug. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he, then shouts, <laughs> he then shouts again and tells Saul again that he could have killed Saul, but but he's not going to. He didn't mm, do it. Yeah. In both cases, Saul temporarily repents because we've seen Saul's mood swings yeah. and says he's <laughs> sorry for chasing David. Oh my goodness. He's sorry, but then he goes after David again right. because he's Saul. It's an unsettling time of hide and seek for sure. <laughs> no. So he stole the water jug of Saul. I'm like... Is it like water bottles today? Was it distinctive? Was like the king's water jug? It must have been, right? Maybe if they were all the same, how would David say, look, I stole your water right. jug? Right. Right? It must be unique. Maybe he had like a gold cap because he's the king or he had like a K on it or set, you know, something. Because <laughs> we do even nowadays, like, oh, that's your water bottle because it's pink or blue or whatever. Right. Right. My right. kids like to put all these waterproof stickers on their water bottles. Because, to say, this one's yes. mine, the one with all the butterflies right. or whatever. To make it, yeah. so, you know, yeah. it must have been somehow distinctive. So <laughs> funny. So funny. Well, I love that David maintained integrity in yeah. this hard time yeah. and twice said, I could have killed you and I didn't. Can't you see I'm not trying to he's hurt trying you? He's to prove yeah. to him that he's not after him. Yeah. 
it's really not easy to keep trusting God when you see nothing good mm, happening. Yeah. And this is what's going on with David. He was just a kid when Samuel anointed him, and now it's many years later. He's on the run and most definitely not the <laughs> anointed true. king, right? Yeah. Yet in all this, David stayed close. He mm. abided with God. He knew how to live with God even when life was hard. And I love that about him. So now we are going to go to one of my very favorite Psalms of David, Psalm 57. It was written during the hiding, abiding cave years. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to learn a lot about an abiding heart as we read. It's also a Selah Psalm, (laughs) which might be one of the reasons I love it, because I love that (laughs) word. So we're going to read a section at a time. And when we get to the Selah, the pause, we'll pause and talk about it for a minute. Mm. So Nicole, why don't you start us off with verses 1 through 3a, and then tell us what you learn about abiding in God, living with him from these verses. Yeah, I'm even going to read the intro because this is so cool. So it's Psalm 57. For the choir director, a psalm of David, regarding the time he fled from Saul and went into the cave. (laughs) It's very specific. It is. To be sung to the tune of Do Not Destroy. I don't think I know that one. I don't know that song. (laughs) So here we go. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. Selah. Mm. So you can just feel David's desperation for God here and his longing to feel safe, can't you? Yes, have mercy, Lord. I mean, that's just from a heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I love that he finds it so quickly. He says he'll hide under his wings and how he acknowledges that God is fighting for him by helping him to fulfill his purpose. And I also love how he remembers and says that God will will send help from heaven to rescue him. So David truly and completely trusted in God and was hopeful and looking for his God to rescue him from every circumstance that was oppressing him. Isn't that wonderful? He took every thought captive and brought it to God, didn't he? He cried out in help, he found his comfort, and then he held on fast to it. Yes, he did. Yeah, and these are sung, so he made up a song so he could keep singing it. Singing in the cave with ice. Singing it in the cave. It had great acoustics. I love it. (laughs) And it probably really, really helped him when he was scared to just sing that song, Mm, right? Oh, my goodness. Well, the next part, the next section is verses 3b through 6, and I will read these. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. Mm. I am surrounded by fierce lions who Mm. greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. Hmm. Selah. (laughs) Well, David speaks in this section of two distinct truths. First, he speaks of who God truly is. Mm -hmm. God will send forth unfailing love and faithfulness. That's Mm -hmm. who God is. He loves unfailingly. His love doesn't wither up. His love is not like Saul's, right? Saul's like, oh, I won't kill you ever. Oh, let me spear you to the wall, right? (laughs) God has unfailing love and faithfulness. Mm -hmm. No matter what's happening, David's confidence is in the character of God in whom he is abiding. He Mm -hmm. knows God is there for him. He even exalts God in verse 5. May your glory shine over all the earth. He's just in awe of God. And he's confident that the pit they dug for him will be their own destruction. God's going to win in the end. 
So he's speaking the truth of God as protector as well. Mm. God loves, God's faithful, God's protector. But the second truth we learn from this is also valid. He doesn't mince words about the hardness of where he is. Mm, That's true. Right? He calls it like being with lions. (laughs) He feels pierced and cut. The words are cutting him. Mm. The fact that people are saying things about him that aren't true. He's weary from all the distress. I love this, Nicole. David brings all of life to God because he's abiding with God. Mm. He's living right next to him. So every thought is shared with God because he's that close. Right? He might be hiding from Saul, but he's abiding with God. And he can still find... Well, he brings his hurt, his big feelings to God, and then he praises him. Yeah. So quickly he turns yeah. He doesn't stay there and wallow and woe is me. As soon as he says, like, here's what I'm feeling, I'm honest with you, and then he's like, oh, but you're amazing, God. You're still amazing. <laughs> so he takes right. his eyes off of himself, and that's key, because if we keep it looking is. at our sorrows... Yeah. We're, we'll drown in them. Yeah. I mean, you could, he could have panic attacks all day long all in the day cave, long. waiting for Saul to kill him, this yeah. powerful king. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love that he praised him. I love it too. Oh, it's so good. All right, I'm going to read the final section, verses 7 through 11. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake up the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, um, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the oh, earth. Beautiful. Oh, I want to hear him <laughs> sing it. I know. Really? Definitely in heaven we'll ask yes. him to sing that one. Yes. Sing the cave song to us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just, can't you just see, though, in the section, how much happier David is after talking with the Lord? Yes. Isn't yes. that beautiful? The mm-hmm. the words he wrote here just comes from a heart filled with peace and joy. Because who can who can sing that about singing praises and waking up the dawn? You're hiding in a cave, fearing for no your life. No kidding. It's oh amazing. My God. Yeah. It's the only way we can ever feel this type of joy in the midst of some really scary and stressful circumstances. And it's to come to God for help and let God remind us that greater is He who is in us than He that he is, is in the world. world. Yeah, and I love that it's at dawn. David starts the day with God. Oh, he does. You know, do you think every morning in the cave he woke up and sang the song? Yeah, kind of crept out to the mouth while they were sleeping. Yeah, watched the sunrise. That must have kept him going. uh, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) as a little shepherd boy, he chose to spend time with God when no one was watching in a field back at the beginning of the series. So those were habits and rhythms in his life he's had since he was a boy. He's had the rhythms forever, that keeping a quiet heart. We talked about that in the first one. David knew how to keep a quiet heart. Mm. And so when he was in a very different circumstance, 600 hairy, smelly men in a (laughs) cave. Some of them discontents, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. And now he's responsible to feed them and take care of them and protect them. This group, right. He's still sneaking away at dawn, not trying Mm. to get an extra few winks. Right. And keeping a quiet heart. That's so great. So he's carrying those rhythms with him into the hard times. And that's what clearly is getting him through. Exactly. As he's singing his heart out to the God. Yeah. As Saul's about to kill him. Oh. (laughs) I'm so glad that that psalm was labeled. 
This was sung yes. when David was in a cave hiding from Saul. Would you not believe it? Sometimes you're going, no, this couldn't have been when he was about to no, be killed. No, That's but it pretty was. great. <laughs> and that's how he could do things like cut off hems and then feel guilty even about that because he was that close to God. Because mm, he was abiding with him. He was abiding. I want to abide. That's I my know. word this year. And I want so much to always know God's near, nearness, yes. you know? And I want to welcome him close. Mm, I don't want to run away and do something I don't think he'd like and then come back. You know, I yes. just want to always, always be yoked. Mm-hmm. So I'm not there, but I want to be there. Oh, I really you. do. Yeah. <laughs> well, let us pray <clears throat> to finish this out. Father, we do, we want to abide with you. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful psalm where David could tell you how he felt, cut and pierced with words, frightened in a cave, bewildered, not knowing what you were doing in his life. Thank you, Lord, that we can pour out our hearts to you who are so near. We can tell you every rotten thought, which you see anyways. And thank you, God, that you remain the faithful, loving God you have always been and will always be the protector of our souls, the lover of our hearts, Mm. the merciful, kind, abiding God. We praise you. We lift your name high. Keep us near, Lord, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sharon, what a story. (laughs) If you are in a messy, dark, cave-like place today, listeners, please remember our twin truths. You can absolutely speak to God about your despair and worry and concern. And you can also at the same time praise Him and honor Him as the God who is there, abiding with you even in the dark. Wow. Well, next week we're going to look at the persevering heart in episode 87. Sometimes those caves last a whole lot longer than we want them to. God will show us through David's story how to persevere. I can't wait to study this one out. In the meantime, write us. Let us know you're listening. Write a review so more people can find our podcast. Consider donating and becoming a podcast partner. You can donate at sweetsela.org slash donations, and you can find us at sweetsela.org slash podcast. We'd love to add you to our monthly newsletter. Thanks for listening. We are so glad you stopped for a while with us. The Sweet Sela Moments podcast is a cooperative production of Word Radio and Sweet Sela Ministries. More information about this podcast can be found at sweetsela.org. Thank you for joining us.